What does it mean to be culturally competent? Cultural competency is a term we have had a lot of times in nursing school. We understand that it means the ability to comprehend, interact, and communicate with individuals regardless of their cultural background. Even how popular the term is in nursing school, it's quite a distress to see cases in the news like that of the dying indigenous woman in Quebec who recorded the nurses being abusive to her. Also last week, an indigenous patient in Ottawa called 911 to bring her some water to the hospital because the nurses refused to give her water. These and so many other incidences where people are treated differently by healthcare systems because of their race or cultural difference makes this a very important topic to reinforce. My hope is that after listening to this podcast, we are able to understand the meaning of cultural competency, why we should be culturally competent, what it means to be culturally competent, and how to evaluate cultural competency. Culture is defined as the attitudes, habits, beliefs, styles that express a group's adaptation to its environment. That is, ways that are shared by group members and passed on over time. Cultural competency is our will and actions to build understanding between people, to be respectful and open to different cultural perspectives. It includes our awareness of our own cultural views, working at and developing cultural positive attitudes towards cultural differences, and having a knowledge of varying cultural worldviews and practices. Individual values, beliefs, and behaviors about health and well-being are shaped by various factors, such as race, ethnicity, nationality, language, gender, and socioeconomic status. Cultural competence in healthcare is broadly defined as the ability of providers and organizations to understand and integrate these factors into the delivery and structure of the healthcare system. The goal of cultural competent healthcare service is to provide the highest quality of care to every patient, regardless of race, ethnicity, cultural background, English proficiency, or literacy. So why should we be cultural confident? Having a limited understanding of other cultures can lead to cultural tunnel vision. That's a perspective of reality based on very limited set of cultural experiences. This increases the likelihood of imposing our values on clients by assuming that everyone shares these values. If this happens, our services will become unresponsive to the needs of the clients, and the clients will become unresponsive to our services. Healthcare delivery needs to be tailored to patients, cultural, social, and linguistic needs. Cultural competency in healthcare can overcome health disparities such as language barriers, cultural beliefs, and practices unconscious and conscious medical biases, variations in care, access, and quality, and low health literacy. Research indicates that organizations that are culturally competent have improved health outcomes, increased respect and mutual understanding from patients, and increased participation from the local community. Underlying cultural competencies are the principles of trust, respect for diversity, equity, fairness, and social justice. Social justice 
refers to the degree of equal opportunity made available to individuals by the social, political, or economic structures where they live. Social justice is a core nursing value and the foundation of public health nursing. It means that everyone's human rights are respected and protected, that everyone will have equal opportunity, that people would not be held back by things out of their control, like systematic obstacles or discrimination. Instead, everyone will have a fighting chance at the life they want. Nurses are ethically obligated to provide respectful, fair and equal care to all people. Social justice ideology requires nurses to uphold moral, legal and humanistic principles related to health, to promote the distribution of healthcare resources in a way that benefits marginalized or vulnerable populations while being mindful of more privileged populations. The overall goal of social justice is the elimination of inequities. Although notions of social justice are often touched upon within our nursing education, nurses need to take personal initiative to further explore issues of power, privilege, and oppression within their practice and profession. As well, they must also have a previous personal awareness of the privilege and the power afforded to their role as nurses. Without this personal awareness, nurses will often miss opportunities to critically examine the impact these concepts have on the care we provide. This is where intersectionality theory comes in. It pushes social justice a notch further by examining identity. The theory suggests that people's experiences are the product of how they identify themselves, how they are seen by others, how they interact with others. These influences come together in distinct ways and lead to distinct health outcomes for individuals and groups. Intersectionality theory is a product of postcolonial feminism which calls for a healthcare system that is responsive to the varied social locations of its clients. This includes critically examining the power structures that govern society and social relations, examining the social, political, economic and cultural context from which inequities arise. Looking through an intersectionality lens is a means by which nurses can attend to issues of oppression and privilege within their practice and profession. By acknowledging and responding to the presence of privilege and oppression and the associated power dynamics within the therapeutic encounter, nurses can strive further in helping to alleviate social injustices and health disparities that arise from unequal power relations. Even if a person does not in a discriminatory way, his or her historical location as a member of a privileged group is implied. Without being made aware of these power dynamics, nurses with all the right intentions run the risk of imposing dominant discourses onto marginalized populations, further ostracizing themselves within the care space. Therefore, an intersectionally practice opens up dialogue for reflection on our socio-political historical positioning and how this shapes everyday realities. It calls upon everyone to reflect upon his or her position in history the contexts of oppression, and the ways in which each one of us colludes in oppression. Cultural competency is more than being aware of cultural differences, and is more than the knowledge of the customs and values of those different from our own. It goes beyond being respectful of the cultures represented in the service, or even in the community. It means examining our biases, our prejudices, 
developing cross-cultural skills, searching for role models, spending as much time as possible with other people who share passion for cultural competency. It is the ability to identify and challenge our own cultural assumptions, values and beliefs, and to make a commitment to communicating at the cultural interface. Principles relevant to cultural competence include fostering secure, respectful and reciprocal relationships, partnerships, high expectations, equity and respect for diversity. We are all born belonging to a culture, which is not only influenced by traditional practices, heritage and ancestral knowledge, but also by the experiences, values and beliefs of individual families and communities. Respecting diversity therefore means valuing and respecting the practices, values and beliefs of families and communities. Can you even begin to measure something like cultural competence? In an attempt to offer solutions for developing cultural competence, the Diversity Training University International isolated four cognitive components. These are awareness, attitude, knowledge and skills. Awareness is a consciousness of one's personal reaction to people who are different. We move from being culturally aware, unaware, to being culturally aware and sensitive to our own cultural heritage and to valuing and respecting differences. We become aware of our own values and biases, of how they affect diverse clients. We are comfortable with differences that exist between ourselves and other clients in terms of race, gender, sexual orientation, and other social demographic variables. We become aware of our own racist, sexist, heterosexist, or other detrimental attitudes, beliefs, and feelings. The second one is knowledge. When we become knowledgeable and informed about a number of culturally diverse groups, especially the groups we are most likely to work with. We become knowledgeable about the social and political factors in Canada that influence the treatment of marginalized groups. We become knowledgeable about institutional barriers such as racism that prevents some diverse clients from assessing social services, privileges and advantages. And the third one is scale. We are able to communicate both verbal and non-verbal messages accurately and appropriately among diverse groups. We are able to anticipate impact of our service delivery and our limitations on culturally diverse clients. We are able to communicate in an easy to understand language that is culturally appropriate when working with diverse clients. In building our skills, it is not enough not to be racist. It's imperative that we become actively anti-racist and combat the visible and invisible traces of racism within ourselves and the communities we live in. This can take place by examining implicit biases and unacknowledged, unacknowledged prejudices. Implicit biases are the stereotypes that we unconsciously have that may affect our actions and words. They can have harmful effects, which is why it's important to disconstruct them. While this work is uncomfortable, it is important if we want to change the system.